You are listening to a live message from Gold Street Garden Church with Dr. Dominic Butler. We are thrilled to have you join us for today's message. Our prayer is that you would see Jesus clearer than ever before and your desire to know him personally would increase in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful evening that we have to just come before you and say, you're worth it all. Lord, we thank you that the greatest decision that we could ever make with our life is to lay it at the feet of Jesus. I thank you that we would have a greater revelation of Jesus tonight. I thank you that this is all for Jesus Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to our hearts in greater measure. I thank you that even if we become point zero 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 one percent more like Jesus, it was a successful evening. And Lord, that's what our, our heart's cry is, is just let us see those nail-pierced hands clear. Let us see those nail-pierced feet clear. Let us see the sacrifice your son made so we could stand here today and say, we are redeemed. We are redeemed. We worship you. Speak through me tonight, Father. Reveal your heart to your people. In Jesus' mighty, precious name, amen. So we've been on a journey. We've been, I I said it earlier, but I want to just bring it up again. We've been talking about heart purity. And when we, as soon as we launched, uh, the first night we just had a blowout, just testifying what God's doing. But then the very next week, I was praying. I was like, Lord, what are we going to? teach what what foundation needs to be laid. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to teach on purity of heart. And I want you to lay this foundation. And we we really capitalized off the verse, Matthew 5, 8. It talked about how uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And that is not just a statement, that's an invitation, that the purer your heart is, the clearer you see him the bigger he becomes. And that's why the Holy Spirit's main job, main responsibility is to come into our lives and every day show us things that are not pure in our life so they can be removed. Not, it's not to beat us up. It's not that. It's so we can see him more clearly. And if I don't know if you guys know, but sin is literally just a symptom of a heart with a love deficit. Sin is just a symptom of a heart with a love deficit. That's all it is. It's just because the more you know his love, sin just loses its power at the revelation of love. And, and I'm not talking about just a warm hug. I'm talking about the love that pulled you from the pits of hell, that we are all redeemed. And, that, and not only that, but you have a purpose right here, right now. And it's not just, sometimes we hear that like it's just about enjoying this life to the fullest. And what we don't realize is our definition of enjoying life and God's definition of enjoying life are two different things. That God does want to bless us with with you know, things that, you know, move our heart and so forth, little things here, that. But I'm talking living life to the full. When you live life to the full, it's it's this confidence yeah. that just rises up in you that no matter what you're facing, He's with me. Yeah. And not only is he, is he with me, He's in me. And not only is He in me, He's he's the reward. He's where I'm going. He's, he's everything. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing about sin that'll segue into what we're going to talk about tonight with heart purity, we're going a little bit of a different direction, but it's still very similar. And what we're going to talk about tonight is back to just talking about sin real quick, is that sin, sin is the result of living from the wrong source. Sin is the result of living from the wrong source. And the, the title of tonight's message that I heard from the Lord, I actually had a different title for what we were going to talk about tonight until worship. It just flipped in a, in a good way. Like I already knew what we were talking about, but the Lord wanted to give an umbrella of thought to unpack tonight. And that's check the source, check the source, check the source. If there was a word that we could just, we could leave right now, it would be check the source who and this goes for just little things in life, like what you're watching, what you're listening to, what you're, which, who you're deciding to share things with. Amen. That's very big too. You know, we got, 
you know, I heard somebody say this before. I think I said it before even from the pulpit, but I think there was a really popular minister that said, if you go through life and you make three close friends, you did really well. You know, what, what, is the, what is the point of that statement? It's that in life, we really want to be liked and we want to tell everybody everything, but God will really put divine friendships and connections close to you so that way dreams, destiny, truth is guarded. Just think about Jesus. He had 12 disciples, but there was only three of them that if he had to do something really serious, he would invite in with him. And then even from that, John, the beloved, was always like right up on Jesus. Like Jesus had a, an inner circle. Sometimes people are like, I don't go to this church because it's a clique or things like that, but they wouldn't like Jesus' journey. <laughs> he had a little bit of a clique, but he was still ministering to everybody. But there was only certain people. Uh, sometimes we think parables are to teach truth when actually parables are to hide it. Jesus said, I teach in parables to hide truth. But sometimes people think parables explain truth. They actually hide it. They're an invitation to go deeper into what it's talking about. Amen? God is, God is such a lover that He wants to be sought. He wants you to seek Him. So what He does is He leaves these beautiful gifts and as you find these gifts, you're getting closer to your beloved, as we sang tonight. And he just lures us in with his love. And uh, you got to go after him. So tonight, check the source. If we could, if you go to 1 Samuel 30, this is going to be where we're camped out all night. So get excited. I want to share one th- as you're turning or uh, flipping on your phone. Matthew 18 talks about coming to God with as a child, that's how we come into the kingdom is with childlike faith, enter the kingdom, come as a child. And I remember my wife was, Jackie was saying this the other day and it was so powerful. She just like had this, this revelation. She just shared with me. I was like, that's amazing. Like, you know, you know, you preach. Um, And she said, she said she was thinking about how a child, the reason that we enter the kingdom as a child and have to be as a child, obviously dependency, which we'll talk a lot about tonight, being dependent upon the Lord. Also being, um, for lack of words, better words, gullible, like believe anything. Like that's what a child, you could be like, you tell a child, no way, like that, you know, they'll believe, you know, anything. And that's awesome. But the one thing about a child, my wife pointed out, is that children are constantly hitting milestones. Like every day they, they say a new word. They grow a little taller. And that's the thing about when you enter the kingdom as a child is there's constant milestones being hit. And now when she said that, I was like, amen, we're jumping in. Like, this is what's about to happen with this church. This is what's happening in Clearwater. And that's, we, we just saw it happen in Brazil. There's about to be a massive awakening. And it's already taken place. But what, but the thing, the awakening is has to ha- take place in us because even though there's God has been so merciful to this nation, America, and has been so good, there are there has to be a drastic switch because this younger generation is not growing up with the same standards of a previous generation and things like that. And there has to be a God intervention. Yeah. We cannot do this on our own. We have to we have to cry out to Him, and then we have to be diligent to do what He's what he is telling us back. So there's, there's Matt, there's a massive, what a beautiful time to be alive. Cause we like, I believe that we're about to come into a season where it's going to be so known who's really in love with him. I think a lot of us already have that discernment, but it's going to come, it's going to be really black and white very soon who loves him and who doesn't. And it's going to just be obvious because the results it's going to, you know, uh, this past week, I've had the privilege of um, meeting with some people recently and that, and the Lord's been just really dealing with my heart. And it's like everywhere I go lately, I, you know, ministering to people like that don't know the Lord or whatever is becoming easier and easier. It really is when you're in love with him because he's all you talk about. He's all you talk about. So when I'm out with people, who am I talking about? Jesus. Uh, you know, uh, Dave, remember this past week, Dave and I, we're out at coffee in the morning. We're talking. And all of a sudden, this guy's leaning up. In the And I was just like, this is why I turned around. I said, do you know Jesus? Like, I was, that was, I didn't say, what's your name or whatever? Because 
the, the anointing was drawing him in this conversation. Next thing we know, we're praying with him and we're, and we're talking to him about the Lord. The manager comes over and says, was he bothering you? And I was like, no, we actually were, were bothering him with Jesus. We were ministering to him. We were telling him about, and what I'm saying is don't even think about witnessing as pressure. When you're in love with him, everywhere you go, love overflows. You just keep, you just keep talking about him. What else is there to talk about? Can I get it? What else is there to talk about? He's the best. He's the best. I know that sounds simple, but you, some of us don't understand. And that's why I'm telling you to check the source. Check the source because the things you think you love, the things we think we need to care about, when it's all said and done, he's the one standing before you. Not your car, not your pension, not your savings account. I heard a man of God say, so many people are saving their money to live like five or ten years of pure comfort. And what is that going to mean to Jesus when you stand before him? Nothing. Nothing. But the thing is, is that the closer we get to the end and we know the Lord is, you know, coming soon, you actually want to be found giving everything away. <laughs> you do because when you stand before him, it's just, and the thing about God is when you give it all away, he gives it all back even more. So that's the thing we have to, but you have to train yourself to get to that level because your flesh wants me, me. Like I, it needs to be all, I need more money. I need more this. I need more this. I'm running a rat race. But we spend all of our time preparing for this little sliver when we should be preparing for eternity. Amen. So uh, uh, 1 Samuel 30. I'm going to read, you know, like, have you ever watched a movie before and they show you the end and then you watch the movie and you're like, why did they show me that now? And then you watch the whole movie. And you're like, Ah, I get it. I'm going to kind of do that for you real quick. Um, so I, I want you to read with me verse six of 1 Samuel 30, and then we're going to read this whole chapter and don't get intimidated by how long it is because eternity is even longer. So... <laughs> Just, just so, First Samuel thirty verse six says this. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people were grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Have you heard this scripture before? That David strengthened himself in the Lord. I want. Sometimes it's so important that we don't, sometimes we get away from reading stories in the Bible, but we fall in love with scripture, like a singular scripture. And I want to encourage you that I want to read this passage to show you why he needed to strengthen himself in the Lord and why we need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord every day. Because the thing about strength that people don't always understand is a lot of times when we hear the term strength, we think physical, like physical strength. And when the world hears the word confidence, it thinks of mental strength. But really, when God talks about strength, he's talking about inward strength. He's talking about an inward heart strength. And the only the strength of the strength of God is is not you becoming stronger, it's you becoming more convinced he's with you. The strength of God is not you getting stronger. It's you becoming more convinced he's with you. And you see, that changes everything. It takes us to another level. And what God has to be your reason, your why. And that's how he becomes your strength. Because he, he's got to be your motivation. He's got to be all these things. Because you have to ask yourself, what is the source? You know, what is the source of my motivation? Is my, do I get my motivation from a cup of coffee? And I'm not saying there's a, anything bad with that, but some people even say, if I don't have a cup of coffee, I'm going to have a bad day. Yeah. Like that's people's mindsets. Yeah. And I know we laugh about it, but some people are really, it, it can get to that place of knowing. And I'm just using it as a funny example, but 
Do you know what I'm saying? Like some people are, are only one bad thing away, one bad thing happening away from completely losing it. You know, but and I know we can all, we all have to check our source though, because if something bad happens and it changes everything about what we believe, what was the source? It was, it means our source was everything going right, not God. Because when God's your source, things can go wrong and you know that you already have the victory and you're going to overcome whatever it is. You see, that changes things because you have a different source. So I want to read, I want to, without you going there, if you remember Proverbs 4, we were talking about Proverbs 4 last week and we were talking about Proverbs 4.23 says that, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. The affairs of life are all in your heart. You don't realize how important this thing is. You don't realize, and I know your heart is, is your it literally houses your personality, your character, your decision making. And we're constantly the hum, just human nature is to trust something. We want to trust something. We were built and we and we try to find trust with people's opinions. We try to find trust in different things, but if he is not what you trust in, you will you will live a very sp- split personality life. You will live schizophrenia. You, you, don't, you won't think you're diagnosed that way, but if he's not your source, you will change by every problem. Every new problem, you're going to be a different person. But if he's your source, problems don't change you. Do you see that? He has to be the source. He has to be the life behind what you do. And the thing that I wanted to point out about Proverbs 4 about guarding your heart is think about this. Proverbs 4.1, it says this statement. It says, hear the instructions of a father. Isn't that powerful? That means that when that was said, that guard your heart, this was coming from a relationship. The word was from a relationship. It wasn't an order like, if you don't do this, I'm going to you know, destroy you. Or what. It, was, it was advice from a father a good father, the best father. Amen? When God speaks to us, he speaks to us as the best father. Some of you may have not have known a good father. You may have grew up without your father really being there. And I want to encourage, I want you to know that God is the standard for a father. And no matter what you've experienced in your life, that if you there's a love that, and you have to understand that the devil knows that God's great, the greatest revelation of God is knowing he's a father. Because when Jesus came, do you know what he said when he taught the disciples how to pray? Pray like this, our father. I bet the disciples' mouths dropped and they didn't hear anything else he said because nobody had ever called God father before. They couldn't even spell his name without taking letters out. But Jesus came and said, he's our father. And not only is he, you got to catch the term. It's not only that he's a father, but Jesus said, are. So the same relationship Jesus has with God, you have with God. Now, how much do you think God loves Jesus? Talk about, what did we talk about earlier? Sin is a symptom of a heart with a love deficit. If that's the truth, living wrong, living from a wrong source is just proof that you haven't encountered his love. And his love changes everything. His love can make a strong man a babbling brook on the floor. Not crying, like upset, crying because he's that loving. And I encourage you, men, it's good to cry. It is. In the presence of God, your father, do you, you know what's so amazing about our father? The prodigal son is such a, is prob, I, I, there's, there's very few times in my entire life, and I can actually say that there's been times I've went into services where it was dead. And what I mean by that is like, you could tell like it was all program. Is it, and like 50 minutes, let's get out of here because I got a life to live. I don't need to spend any more time here with God. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, you can tell, but even in services like that, when people minister on the prodigal son, there's like an anointing that hits the place. Like, even with ministers, I have no clue what they're doing. The prodigal son is a failsafe. If you don't know what to preach, preach the prodigal son. Because you know what's so amazing about that story? Is even if you're in this place tonight and you're not where you need to be with him, every time you come back, his arms are open. And not only are they open, he's running towards you. And he's got a party waiting for you in his house. Isn't that amazing? That's the God we serve. It doesn't matter where you're at in life right now. That when you come to him, no matter if you were just in a pig pen, cleaning up poop, which was what the prodigal son was doing, dirty, filthy mess, came back to royalty with a hug, a warm embrace. Amen. Before we read the chapter, if we get to it, no, we will. I know, I promise. Uh, I wanted to say this just about strength. I really feel like this is important to see. A lot of times you'll see strength and shield together in scripture. And did you know that the word shield is only used one time in the, the New Testament? A lot of you probably know since I just gave it away. It's only used one time in the New Testament. Shield of faith. Only time shields used in the New Testament. Old Testament is used countless times. But the first time the word shield is used is for Abraham. And it was when God introduces himself to Abraham on a, a covenant level. And he says, Abraham, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And the thing that's so powerful about this is the chapter before that, so Genesis 15 is when that, it, it starts out that way, but Genesis 14, Abraham, who is a father of faith, had a, had a covenant with God before there was a law, before there was anything else, just this man that just was talking to God, just reaching out to God. And one of the things that, that took place was Abraham had got his uh, nephew Lot back and all this thing took place and there was this, there's, there's some theology behind it, but the thing that I want to get to about the, the story was Abram, Abraham, we'll use Abram at the time, but when he does this, he brings an offering to a man of God, and this man of God wants to give him a whole bunch of money and give him a whole bunch of livestock and things like this. And Abram says this, I don't want anything. I only want people to know that it's the Lord that made me rich. And what is he says, he wouldn't, he refused to receive anything. And then in Genesis 15, it starts out with this, Abraham, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And he gives him the covenant of his life because he refused to take a payment from something. He And he said, I only want God to be the one that makes me a great name, a great thing. And this thing about shield that you have to understand that's really important is in the New Testament, when it talks about our shield, and I'm getting where I'm getting back with our source, check the source. You have to understand that the shield of faith, and we're not going through all the armor of God tonight, but it's just the shield of faith. If you have a shield, what did God say to Abraham? He said, I am your shield. So if we're told that we have a shield of faith, what is faith? It's who is God to you, simply. But sometimes we teach faith in this way that it's such a mechanical thing that you have to, you don't have enough faith or you don't have this. And they take statements that Jesus made out of context. But it's very important that we see that the shield of faith is who is God to you? What's most important about that is the Bible says that every fiery dart of the wicked one hits the shield. But if God is everything to you, it never hits you. Amen. Do you see that? So the devil can only attack your faith. He can't attack you. So if your faith is weak, he will get to you. And here's the thing is that you have a shield of faith. And what's behind that? Your breastplate of righteousness. So if your faith isn't where it's supposed to be at, what's vulnerable? Your right standing with God. And if your right standing with God is penetrated, then there goes your heart. So there's a line of defense, shield of faith. Who is God to me? If God is everything, my righteousness is Jesus Christ. My heart is untouchable by this world. You see that? Satan has no way in when the armor of God 
is properly placed on. And the armor of God is not something we physically put on. It's a revelational wardrobe. And everything in the armor, I challenge you to study the words, faith, righteousness, peace. Study those words and find out the revelation you need to wear God's perfect wardrobe. Amen. I say that to get into this because it's important to understand strength, shield. It's all about um, where we're at with our righteousness. Amen. So with strength, David's story I want to read. And we'll read this and then pause at the parts we need to. So starting in verse 1, you guys ready? And I know we're going to, we'll get where we need to because I really want to worship a little. You guys want to worship some more at the end? Let's go for it. So uh, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were from small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ananoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself, and the Lord is God. So let's pause right here. So why is David strengthening himself in the Lord? Let me set this scene, if you didn't catch it. David was off at war with his men. They come back to the city where they're going to be with their families. They come back finding the city burnt to the ground and all their wives and children were taken captive. Does that that sound like a favorable situation? Does that sound like a situation where a lot of people would say, God, why did you allow this to happen? Where are you? You know what I'm saying? This is prime example of, I don't believe many of us, any of us, I just don't want to make, you know, have faced anything like this. This is like Holocaust ground. You know, this is serious devastation going on. And what happens is David, in this moment, everybody's even wanting to stone him. And he decides, he decides, I need to talk to God. I need to strengthen myself in him. I need to remember why... I'm going to be, I'm a, he's not the full king yet, but he was anointed as a king. He's like, I got to remember my source. I need to remember who, who's my, who's my source. These men that are about to stone me, they are not my source. My family is not my source. He is my source. And right now, if I don't talk with him, if I don't go to him, I'm going to make a decision that could cost me my life. That could, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to know in these moments There's going to be moments in life where something happens and we could even say, but I spoke, I, I only spoke, you know, God's blessing and did this. Why don't even go there. Just go to him. You see what I'm saying? Like we find out, but I, I speak blessing. I speak blessing, but we live in a fallen world and we have to understand that we have to prepare our hearts for what, what do, you, do you think Peter, when he was about to get hung upside down, do you think he was like, but Lord, I'm blessed and highly favored. <laughs> it's an honor. Flip me upside down. Yes. I'm going to be with Jesus. Yes. That's not the way we think sometimes, but it's beautiful because if he's our reason, he's the reward, the world has no hold on us. And we are the freest people. We are the most liberated people. Amen? So David strengthens himself in the Lord. And if confidence is found, confidence that is found outside of God is heart treason. Confidence found outside of God is heart treason. It means pretty much saying that you are 
causing such an injustice to your heart to find confidence anywhere but Him. That if you find confidence in, we said earlier, in people's approval of you, oh man, get ready for depression. Because people will love you one day and they will hate you the next. People of the world, not the body of Christ should always love, but the people of the world, they will tear you down. And that's why, you know, we kind of talk about it, but that's where sometimes churches miss it because they're trying to get people's approval so they cater fit a service for them instead of for him. If we're supposed to be ministering to him, what does it what does what does it matter? What does it matter if there's chairs? What does it matter if there's a sound system? It's a blessing. Amen. But I want to I want to be with the people that just throw me in a room with people that love Jesus. You have to ask yourself a question. If you had a responsibility today, if you had to go what if God said, I need you to raise a person from the grave today? And God told you to go to a cemetery. He said, you can only bring two friends. Who are you bringing? Are you going to just bring a Facebook friend? You're going to bring a coworker that you talk football with? When you have to do something impossible, you're going to call those that know God. We are, and if you're living a life that's possible, you're not living a life for God. That's so good. <laughs> if you're living a life that's possible, you're not living for God. Because when you live for Him, He calls you to do impossible. That's every day. You know how it's impossible? It's impossible. It's impossible to live to the world. It's impossible to live joyous and be selfless. Because the only way you can be happy is if I'm having a good time. Like, but that's what a parent, you learn as a parent that my joy is in my daughter having joy. That even if it's something like frozen, you know, I'm saying, man, we won't get onto that because who knows what's happening with frozen down the road. But that was probably a bad example. But you know what I mean? So with that, but our confidence has to be found in him. Amen. Does that make sense? So make faith. So. David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then verse 7 through 8. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Amalek's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? I want to stop right there. We got It's about to get amazing. I'll probably... This is such a great story, just by the way. I've been weeping, reading the story all week. So help me, Lord. But the thing is, is that what David did here later, do you know when David danced before the Lord? This is later in 2 Samuel. He danced before the Lord with an ephod. Did you know that? And the thing about the ephod is the ephod is something only a priest is supposed to wear. David is a king. But you, the thing about David that's so interesting in scripture is we find out he's a man after God's own heart. The only man coined that phrase in the entire Bible. This is a man that that we talked we talked about it previous weeks. Slept with a, a woman, had an affair with this woman. Had the man that he slept had the man. I always get this messed up. The husband killed the wife that he was having the affair with. Put him on the front lines. Does this whole thing, and that's only one of his main things, but God said he's a man after my own heart, which goes to show that what you've done, even knowing the Lord, cannot keep you from him if you keep coming to him. The thing about when you love him, you discover how much he loves you. When you love him, you discover how much he loves you because the Bible says, draw near and he will draw near to you. It's not the other way around. So many people are like, God, draw near to me so I can see if you're real. No. The scripture said, if you draw near, he draws near to you. Because why does he do that? Because he first loved us. We think he needs to love us again, but actually he already first loved us. So he's already made the step to you 
Now it's time for you to make the step to him. Amen. So the thing about the ephah we were saying is only a priest could wear this, but David was a man after God's own heart, but he wasn't satisfied with just being king. He wanted to be, it's not that he wanted to be a priest. He wanted to be, do a priestly duty of ministering to the Lord. He knew that that's what the priest got to do. The priest got to minister to God. And David's like, why do the priests get to have all the fun? That's literally what's going on. David's like, I want to I wanna talk to God. So he makes the priest give him the ephod. He's the king. He's not supposed to talk to God. But David in the shepherd's field with the sheep, singing to God, loving on God, that he is transcending law transcending so much because he is infatuated with the presence of God. And in this moment of great despair, when everything is destroyed, every his own family's been taken, he's like, I just need that ephod because I know that that ephod is how I can minister to him. I want to talk to God. He's like, he doesn't say, priest, you talk to him. He's like, give, give that to me. I want to get closer. I want to talk to him. And then this is what, when David inquired of the Lord, he said, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? David doesn't, here's the thing. How many people, if something bad happened, would have immediately started reacting? Oh, we got to make sure we have the insurance. Got to make sure we have this. Got to make sure, oh, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do? You know, our minds, we said it last week, when you allow your mind to run, you inhibit your heart to bow. And just getting this in our hearts that he, we have to talk with him because where is the fullness of joy? It's in his presence. It's not in an answer. It's not in the, it, the joy, the joy is in his presence. So I need to get in his presence because not only is the fullness of joy in his presence, but guess what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. So let's just uh, do some scripture decoding. The fullness of the presence, the fullness of joy is in his presence. And then the joy of the Lord is our strength, which means his presence is our strength. So if his presence is our strength, we need to constantly be in the presence it can't be on Tuesday nights or Sunday mornings. It's got to be a habitual. God, I need you. The moments that you realize you need God, you just tapped into the greatest revelation. I can do nothing without him. And sometimes people have to hit rock bottom. Some people in this room, things might be going really good and you might even be thinking, I don't really need God the way that you're saying. I, this sound, you're, you're really good at what you're talking about and all, but I don't need God the way that you do. One day, things are going to go really bad and it's not going to be God's fault. It's going to be your own fault for being prideful and saying, I'll just, I'll just do that Christian thing when I'm older. You're not promised tomorrow. Tomorrow's the greatest lie of the enemy. The Bible says now is the time for salvation. Right now, not later today, right now. Amen. So David says, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? David's willing to let his family be taken. I, I know that sounds crazy. That sounds crazy. He's subjecting himself to the voice of God. Whatever God says, I'm going to do. I'm not going to react on impulse right now. God, I humble myself. Shall I? Now here's, let's keep reading. God answered him. Everybody say, God answered. Does it, and I'm just reading my scripture. I want to say, this is pretty immediate. Right? I really believe that when we pray, God always immediately answers. I really do. I really believe that it's, we have to make sure we're on the same wavelength. I think we need to be open to not shut things down. Remember, how many times did Jesus, when he appeared to the disciples or an angel appeared, what was the first thing they said? Do not fear. Because fear paralyzes your ability to hear. And if it's true with their presence and that, how much more could a situation 
put fear in you to not be able to hear correctly. That's why you need to get so in the presence because when you get in the presence, fear dissolves. It's fears broken in his presence because joy is just pounding at fear. All of a sudden, you know, there's been so many times when, you know, just little things go wrong and I just start laughing about it. I'm just like, and sometimes it's just perspective. Like a week from now, this thing that is really, you know, racking my brain, I'm going to laugh about this or I might not even think about it again. I might not even care. But in the moment, sometimes, (sighs) you know, you get real worked up over something and it costs you a moment with him. Selfishness costs you time away from the presence. Selfishness costs you time away from the presence. Wow, it's coming out good tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Um, Nine. So David, oh no, I didn't even say what God answered. Pursue for you shall surely overtake them without fail, recover all. Now you got to believe David had to get a pep in his step there. David's like, we heard from God. And he, I bet he turned around to everybody. He's like, we're going to recover it all. David was having a good day then. But what if he didn't talk to God? If he didn't talk to God, he would need the physical people back with him to have joy. But because he had a relationship with God, he didn't have to even see it yet. That's what a relationship with God does with you. He can share with you your destiny, even though you don't see it. Your relationship with him is so real. You know, it's coming. I've heard from God. Is there anybody in this room that has heard from God before? And there's not a living soul that could talk you out of it. And when that happens, you live differently. You live differently. My wife and I, with starting this church and stuff, we are, we've been living differently, preparing for this moment for, for, for years and different things like that, but trying to find, but we knew it was God and it was in, he put it, he deposited it in our hearts and we adjusted our lives to it. Nobody told, you know, nobody, this was not a church that, you know, somebody came and was like, Hey, we need you to start a church. No, God was like, clear water, Dom. Like that was what happened. And we, we just moved with that. But because of that word, it shifted our whole lives, changed everything. Amen. So we'll keep going here. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Bezer, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men. <laughs> he and 400 men for 200 stayed behind who were weary that they could not cross the brook bazaar. So here, check this out. These are big details. David's going with 600 men. He's heard from the Lord. He's going to go after people that just burned a whole city to the ground and took all their family. And he's losing 200 men because they're tired. David could have been like, I know we need everybody. We need everybody. But since David heard from God, he didn't care how many men he had. He did not care. He's like, fine, sleep here. I have a word from the Lord. Now, that's very important when we get to the end of the story. These 200 men stay behind. But how, how quickly can you be confident about, you know, you could leave here tonight confident, like I heard from God, and then something could happen tomorrow. And is that situation determined what God's already spoken? No. It doesn't. But our minds will try to talk us out of joy, that our mind will do it. Uh, and the, the devil will play with thoughts in our mind and try to just trigger things at the right time to just get us at a place. And we have to be ready for that with our faith, right? When he starts shooting those fiery darts, I know who God is. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. That's all you have to, I mean, you just, you know, liar, liar. Your pants are going to be on fire for a very long time. That's scriptural. Amen. So David pursued, and then verse 11, then they found an Egyptian in the field and they brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water and they gave him a piece of cake of figs, two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, 
To whom do you belong and where are you from? Check this out. He said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of the Amalekites. So this dude was just with that army that burned the whole city down. David could have been like, you filthy. He could have just, you know, went Rambo on him, you know, or Liam Nielsen or something. He could have just like tore him up, beat him up right there and Chuck Norris on him. (laughs) He could have, he could have just, but check this out. My master left me behind because three days ago I I fell sick. We made an invasion of a Southern area. So you got to think all these people and David, he's like, he's telling on himself, we should just destroy this joker territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb and we burnt Ziklag with fire. David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? I, I want to say that sometimes the thing about even sin in our lives, that when you, when you understand a symptom, you can understand the source. So when, when you're, say you have a, a, a problem in life right now, a sin struggle, something that you keep doing over and over again, find out what's the source of that, which we talked about earlier. It's a love deficit heart, but it could be whatever. And the thing is, is that whatever that source is, go to the root yes. and cut it. Yes. Cut, like find out what it is. And this is what David does. He, he doesn't take this guy. He uses the enemy's prowess and he goes for the throat. It's kind of like with a mafia. You like you don't want to just get like some random, you know, druggy guy here. You want to find that find out who their boss is and take the whole thing out. You see, it's like being so can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. So I bet the way David said that, he knew what was up. He knew that David was for real. I bet David's tone of voice was like, Can you take me to the like it was like David was getting serious, like so 16 when he had brought him down there were spread out all over land eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the philistines from the land of judah then david attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day this was a a full-on all-day fight like this was we are not leaving here until every enemy is dead the bible is gory it's real it's not always the (laughs) Now, <laughs> businesses, uh, here's the thing that's really a, a fun fact, but very revealing. Did you know that the Amicalites, this army, is the fruit of Saul not killing everybody that he was supposed to earlier on? Saul had instructions from God to kill everything, and he instead brought some casualties or some hostages. And the Lord, remember Samuel said, what is... What is that sound? What are these people? Why are they? And, and that's when Saul got denounced as king. So David is suffering at the mistakes of a previous generation. But David is dealing with it with God. That we have previous generations that have, may have made mistakes, but we're going to get this fixed with God. We're going to get this restored with Him. Amen? Hallelujah. That's a good word. So... This is what they do from twilight today, and we're wrapping up. 18, so David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking. Nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Why? The voice of the Lord. Voice of the Lord. That's the only reason. It wasn't his strength. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, this is very important. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Now, David came to the 200 men who had been so weary, they could not follow David. So here's the 200 men that didn't come with them. Very important. Can I give you guys three things real quick to write down if you're taking notes? I didn't say it, but I'll just say it because it's important now. This, the, tonight's sermon was check the source, but the three things I want you to, it's all responses. So it's response to crisis is one. Response to his voice is two. And then finally, response to reward. This is very important. The way you respond to crisis, he has to be it. The way you respond to his voice is going to determine what happens. And then the way you respond to the way he rewards you is actually the most important. Because sometimes the reward is enough for people instead of him being everything. 
And that's where so many people miss it because this is the key at the end, the reward. David came to the 200 men who could not follow him and said, they, they had to stay. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless of those who went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered except for every man's wife and children that they may lead. So what are all the men that went with David saying, we're not giving these guys anything. They stayed home and didn't, they didn't fight. They didn't do what we did all day. Check this out. David responds with, but David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hands the troop that came against us. So what is David saying? He's saying that the only reason we won is because of him. How dare we not share? How dare we not share what has only been given to us because he was the reason. But so quickly, God will answer a prayer and we get things and all of a sudden we feel entitled. Oh, this is my, this is, no, he is the reason. And if, if he is the source, it will never be difficult to give. It will never be difficult to sow. It will never be difficult to give it all away because he is the source. Amen. So what, and we can actually, we don't have to read the rest because it's pretty much David just divvies it up between everybody because he's in charge. Awesome. It's amazing. But something, uh, Nick and I had a meeting with a, a brother in Christ the other day. He's an amazing man of God. And he said something, and he didn't know what I was ministering on this week, but he said something about David that really ministered to me as we close. And it's David started his whole ministry out with defeating a giant. It was like when he kind of came on the scene in people's eyes. It was like his his initiation. He took, a, he took a giant out as a little boy, like a teenager, maybe 13, 14, took a, took a giant out with a slingshot that had a, you know, had a sword in his hand and stood nine foot tall and had everybody freaked out. But here's the thing. How did David take the giant out? Because he trusted in the Lord. But when David became king and he's, everything's going on, he's got armies and things like that, does anybody remember, if you haven't heard this story, I'll, I'll just break it down. There was a time that there was a great army that was about to come after Israel. And David, as a king, God told him not to count how many men he had. And this is David, far along, aged, you know, walking with the Lord for a long time. God said, don't take a number, don't count. And David, last minute before this war, told his right-hand guy, I need you to count how many guys we got. So many times we can start so pure and we can take giants out just because our trust is in him. But the more we get, the more things we accumulate, the more accomplishments we have, the devil tries to shift our confidence into the things we have, into the things we do. But if, if he is not your reason, if he is not your source, you will always find yourself growing weary and on a very devastating path that leads to destruction. He has to be everything. Does this help you out tonight? I'll tell you what, I feel the presence of the Lord so strong here. Um, worship tonight was so, I didn't know if it's one of those, it's always the deeper we're going to go into the things of God, you're going to find yourself not coming out as much as you think you do. Like sometimes we think, you've been hearing me say it when we leave here, sometimes we're like, we got to go back to the real world. Actually, the more you fall in love with him, you, you actually, you can't go back. You actually, you take with you that what used to be going back to the real world is now I'm taking a real Jesus everywhere I go. And because I'm taking a real Jesus, he's a king of a real kingdom. And this kingdom is not a kingdom that just has a location. It's a kingdom that inhabits in your heart. And everywhere you go, when you re truly receive love, you become a lover of people. When you truly receive forgiveness, you become a forgiver of people. When you truly receive freedom, you become somebody that liberates. Because when you truly receive from Him, you become Him. But if you receive ideas about God, you will always go back 
to the world. You'll always go back to the way you live. And so many, that's what religion does. Um, man-made religion is it gives people an idea of God that falls so short because only God can reveal God. <laughs> only God can reveal God. And it's so amazing. How many people receive from the Lord tonight? Do you feel the presence? It's, it is we need to thank him that he shows up like this. Father, thank you for showing up in a, in a cafeteria in, in the middle of Clearwater. Thank you for gracing us with your presence, Lord. And since you're here, we want to thank you for President Donald Trump right now. Father, we thank you for upgirding our president. And Father, we thank you for, for Mike Pence, the vice president. We thank you for the leaders right now and Congress. Lord, we thank you that our nation is awakening to the things of God. Lord, I thank you that there is not going to be enough room in church buildings for the outpouring that's about to take place, Lord. Father, I thank you that very shortly this building, this building that we're meeting in is going to be too small because of what you are doing, God. Lord, we thank you that what the devil has tried to bring against America, that Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus that every attack of the enemy, we bind it, we cast it down. We thank you that our president is going to continue to wake up more to your reality of your love. We thank you for Israel right now. We thank you for the great things that you are doing. Lord, we thank you that you've brought prayer back to the public schools in Jesus' name. We thank you that you are doing great things. We thank you that there's worship in the White House, Lord. We thank you that our country is seeing that Jesus is everything. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, that America, that America is a country that loves Jesus. Lord, we are your remnant saying, America shall know Jesus. America shall be saved. Lord, use us. Use us when we're out and about to just tell of your love. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that whatever the devil has tried to do, that we thank you. We thank you that, that the agenda that you have made for this country will not be set back by the devil and his wiles. Father, we thank you that no, no political party that's inspired by the devil will stop what you want to do in this nation, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 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 God is speaking in great measures right now. Oh, he loves. He loves us so much. Lord's just really awakening Hebrews 12 to me. And when it says that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And I just hear, I just hear the shouts of Abraham. I hear the shouts of Moses, I hear the shouts of David, I hear the shouts of Peter, the Apostle Paul, I hear the shouts, and they are cheering on a people that are in love with Jesus. I just, I just, I sense that, I, I even got this imagery of when Peter, because we talked about him earlier about being crucified upside down, like even though he walked with Jesus in the flesh and he even saw Jesus come back resurrected and he saw these things when he saw Jesus after he breathed his last breath on that cross when Peter walked into eternity stepped over into eternity just the fact that when I just believe he just ran right to the feet of Jesus and he said you're worth it you're worth it you're worth it being hung upside that's nothing because I get to sit at your feet forever now Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're worth. And in Revelation, when John gets taken up to heaven, there's this scripture. There's this scripture that says that John, when he sees Jesus and he sees all the angels, it says John starts weeping. And John starts weeping. And one of the angels, they come because John says, who can open the book? Who can open the book of life? Who can open this book? 
And it's almost like when we get to heaven, we're going to realize just how incapable we really are of, of attaining salvation, attaining. And John's crying and he's saying, who can open this book? And an angel says, don't cry. The worthy one. There is one that can open the scroll. And then Jesus opens it. And our names are in this book. And they're written in red. And it's all because of this great love. This uncomprehendable love. It's uncomprehendable to our mind, but completely receivable in our hearts. Father, we worship you. We thank you that we would live this re- we would live this week. Go back to our when we go to live our lives, that we would live with you as the source of every decision we make. That we would not be moved by situations, but we would just say, Jesus, you're my why, you're my reason, you're my motivation, and you're my reward. We worship you, Lord. We thank you that we're going from glory to glory. Revelation of presence to greater revelation of presence. In Jesus' precious name, we love you all so much. We're going to get cleaned up in a few minutes, but if you just want to even stay where you're at, feel free to stay. We love you all so much. Be here next Tuesday. It's going to be even greater somehow.